Welcome to the Weekly Insight Podcast, where we break down the noise of the week and help you understand the psychology of the markets with your host, Andrew Dore at Insight Wealth Group. Good morning. Welcome to the latest edition of the Weekly Insight Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Andrew Dore. I want to take a moment to thank you for joining us today. I also want to just remind you what we say every week, which is what you're about to hear today, should not be construed as personal investment advice, but instead our thoughts on what's going on in the world. If you'd like to discuss how it might impact your individual portfolio, or especially this week, your financial plan, I would encourage you to give us a call. With that, let's go ahead and dig in. Before we get into the meat of today, let's just do a quick review of last week. It was a getaway week in the market. Everyone was uh, celebrating the Easter holiday. I hope you were able to spend some time with family on this very important weekend. But the markets were closed on Friday, and so the results were pretty muted. The S&P ended the week down 0.34%. It remains up for the year. Really not much to write home about considering the volatility we've been getting used to over the last three years or so. The big economic news for the week was about jobs. We had the JOLTS report on Tuesday, the job openings report. We also had the March unemployment data, the results were mixed. The jolts showed a significant drop in the number of job openings. A job openings dropped from almost 10.6 million down to a little over 9.9 million. That is the first time we've seen job openings below 10 million since July of 2021. The unemployment data also had some encouraging signs. We created fewer jobs in March than we did in February. It dropped from 266,000 to 189,000. But the unemployment rate continued to remain very sticky. It actually dropped from 36 to 3.5%. Now, the Fed wants the labor market to cool. Some of the data says it is. Some of it says it isn't. That's why we saw wild fluctuations this week in the expectations for the next Fed meeting. Are rates going to go up again? Are they done raising rates? Be hard to say. We really don't know yet. That is going to be the big debate between now and the next Fed meeting on May 3rd. We will probably know a good bit more this week because we are getting the latest CPI data later this week, and it's going to be the last CPI report before that May meeting. So should provide some context to give us some guidance into what the Fed's going to do coming up here in a little less than a month. With that, I want to change course entirely. We haven't had a lot of quiet weeks lately where we've been able to dig into bigger, longer-term topics. And I want to talk today about your financial plan. I want to talk today specifically about what are you doing to plan for Social Security insolvency? Because it's coming. There's no question about it. We're not going to solve it on this podcast, but it is something every one of our clients needs to understand. Changes in the system are going to have to be made and someone is going to get hurt. On March 31st, just a week ago, the trustees of the Social Security Trust Fund released their annual report. It is not pretty. According to the report, we are just 11 years away from the system being entirely insolvent. That's a year earlier, by the way, than what they were anticipating last year. That's probably due to inflation, but it's, interestingly enough, lines up pretty closely with what the Congressional Budget Office is expecting as well. The CBO is actually expecting it to be 10 years away from insolvency. We've been hearing about this forever, right? How long have we talked about Social Security insolvency, the system being broken? But no sincere effort to fix Social Security has been undertaken by our elected leaders since 2005. 
In 2005, recently re-elected President Bush announced that he had political capital and he intended to expend it to fix Social Security. It did not go well. And it wasn't just the people on the other side of the aisle that beat him up for it. It was everyone on Capitol Hill. Republicans, Democrats, they would not stand for reform of the system. They would not stand for reform of the system, and instead, they pretty much ended the Bush presidency in terms of success on Capitol Hill because he was willing to go down that road. It was easy at the time to argue that there wasn't really a point in doing it. What we saw at the time was actually that the trust fund was growing in value. But what we've seen since, a rising number of people drawing benefits. Right? The baby boomers have, have now reached Social Security age, and there's a lot of them, and they're drawing those benefits, and the value of the trust fund is cratering by the day. The hole we're getting into just keeps getting bigger and bigger, and at our current pace, there's no way to fix it. There are ways to avoid insolvency, but to do so, we have to understand that we really only have three levers. Lever one, increase tax revenue. Lever two, decrease benefits. And lever three is time. And time may be the most important of all of these because increasing taxes and or cutting benefits is going to happen. But time is going to determine just how bad it will be. The quicker we act, the less pain for all of us. Now, as usual, I've got our memo linked in the show notes, and there are some charts in here that I think are worth looking at, but we can act now. If we act now, the pain to fix insolvency gets much better. For example, if we wait until 2034, and at that point in time, we're unwilling to cut benefits, and we have to rely on tax increases, it will be a 33% payroll tax increase for everyone. If we act today, it's a 28% payroll tax increase. Now, please remember, that's not a 28% tax on all of your income. It's a 28% increase in the payroll tax. The payroll tax today is 6.2% being paid by the employee and 6.2% being paid by the employer. That means a total of 12.4%, a 28% increase would jump that to 15.87% or a 1.74% increase for employees. That's not a particularly painful number, but if we wait, that number gets much higher. The same goes for benefit cuts. If we cut all benefits today by 21%, we would fix Social Security insolvency. But if we wait, that number goes up to 25%. Now, my favorite is, you know, the politicians never want to take money from the elderly, right? That is political suicide. So the argument has often been made, it's commonly made, that we shouldn't take it from those who are in the system today, but instead should be taking it from the younger people if we want to cut the benefits for new beneficiaries. Well, we could fix the system today by cutting all new beneficiaries by 25%. But if we wait until 2034, we cannot plug the hole, even if we don't pay anybody new a single dollar after 2034. The cost of covering the benefits for the people who will already be in the system is too much. The system will still be insolvent even if we never pay anyone else a new benefit. This is doable today. If we act immediately with some sort of combination of these things, we can fix this system. The honest answer is it should be a combination of both. We should raise payroll taxes a bit. We should cut benefits a bit. 
But there is a reason to doubt that Washington is brave enough to act. And we all know why. Because the American voter will punish them for it. We're seeing it today in France. President Macron just raised the retirement age from 62 to 64 in France. I think it's fascinating because I complain about our system all the time. And I complain about the fact that, you know, when we put the system in place in the 1930s, the retirement age was 65. Well, at that point in time, we know that the average person died at age 64, okay? So this was old age insurance, not retirement insurance. But over time, as life expectancy has risen and risen and risen, I think life expectancy in the United States today is 79 or 80 years old. We've been so brave as to raise it to 67. Well, in France, it's even worse, 64. So Macron raises it to 64. What happens? There are 10,000 tons of trash on the streets in Paris because the sanitation workers all went on strike. There have been unrelenting protests. There is rage in the streets. Fires burning on the streets of Paris at night. That is exactly what the American politicians are so very scared of. So what can we do? What is our job in all of this? As your financial advisor, as for you as investors, what can you do? Right now, you need to be making a plan. Much like the Social Security Trust Fund, you have levers that you can pull as well. Savings and time. It's time now for you to look at your financial plan and to begin to model the impacts of benefit cuts, of tax increases on your retirement. Figure out how we're gonna make it work. We're here to help. We have the tools. That's the part of the job we love the most. Let us help you identify how your plan will perform and what changes you need to be making to keep up with the changes that are clearly coming in Social Security. Due to cowardice, those changes may not come for another 11 years, but it is coming. And we can act. There is something we can do to make sure that when we get to the other side of this, when we know what the pain is actually going to look like, you are in a position to succeed. We'd love to help you do it. So with that, we'll end it there this week. As always, if you have any questions, give us a call. If you would like to make a plan for how to get by without Social Security or with less Social Security, give us a call at the office at 515-273-1333. Or of course, you can always visit us on the web at www.insightwealthgroup.com. I hope you have a wonderful week. I hope you had a wonderful Easter. And I look forward to touching base with you again soon. Take care. Securities offered through Arte Wealth Management, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, NFA. Investment advisory services offered through Arte Wealth Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment firm.